Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Good evening and welcome to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans and very shortly my guests Nick and another Simon will be going through tomorrow's newspapers to see what they have in store for you. I'm Simon Evans. Joining me tonight are the co-founder of Stonewall and 1989 Perrier award-winning comedian Simon Fanshawe, OBE. Hello. And Nick. Now, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Nick. You look splendid. You look absolutely like a... Like a pair of professional commentators. I don't know whether Simon much. single-handedly lifted the tone, but you weren't in contact earlier. You didn't coordinate. We were. Well, we didn't. That was half no. the problem. We didn't bring ahead. Thunder slightly. This is what I'm calling my 80s movie villain on a boat look. Especially yeah, if I do this. Look nice. at this. You need a glass of sh- uh, a martini glass. Yeah, yeah. And a gun yeah. and a gun in the other pocket. Nice like time, know- guys. <laughs> this is the time you almost caught Nick Dixon. Time to die. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, I'd like yeah. you to know that these are also a Ray Bands. Oh, nice. And is that Very a club tie? Show tonight. Is that is that a club tie? Paul Smith tie. Is it Paul Smith? It's, <laughs> yes, it's the it's, it's, high street It's the Andy Pandy and Luby Lou club tie. It's, you know, it's the flower pot man. Anyway, listen, group. we've been neighbours for nearly 20, no, 14 years. We have, I've been we are We've only met twice and it's been both in the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming dangerously exciting. Well, yes. Well, as you said earlier on, we do look quite like each other, but yeah, yeah. not to our respective no, partners. And I always forget I've grown a beard when I say things like that anyway. Yes. That's how I, when I think of myself and then I go, oh no, God, I look so like... I've just realised, we look like that movie Twin. Yes. Except instead of a really big one and a small one, it's a left wing one and a really far right one. Well, we're all varieties. <laughs> it's like when I went on tour with Dan Antopolsky and Dan Evans. Between us, we were, we, you could perm any two and create a single. Do you see what well, I Imagine went, if I was also called Simon, the yeah. chaos. That was well, like, I really. Oh, it, yes, Dick yes, Nixon was. <laughs> when I first went to Just for Laughs, the Montreal Comedy Festival, there were three Simons. And so, in order to distinguish them, one of them was married to one of the producers, one of them worked for Working Title, and, and there was me. So he was known as Mr. Wright. And, and, and Simon Hall was known as Darling, and I was known as Simon because it was the only way we could distinguish <laughs> each other. And we were we were very different. All um, gangs have someone like that, don't yes. they? There's, and we were a, Big Pete and Old Pete and Dead Pete. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we bonded. We're going to have to get on, folks. We've got a lot of newspapers to get through. I, I'm sure you can guess what is the front page story on this glorious day for Queen, Country, and Empire. Friday's Daily Telegraph has a glorious day even for the Prince of Wales, rather unfortunately. Fortunate pun there, made by um, the headline writer Alison Pearson has written that, or Alison Pearson, I suppose. Prince of Wales might respond. Anyway, that's their headline. It's a lovely picture in reality. Friday's Independent. They rather dourly uh, take us away to the Ukraine uh, rather than set up. But they have got the photograph. Queen beams at a flying start to Jubilee. Ukrainians took too long to fight it. Look too long, fight ahead. <laughs> Ukrainians took too long. That would be a bit harsh, wouldn't it? <laughs> Ukrainians look to long fight ahead after 100 days of brutal, bloody combat. Uh, Friday's Guardian has alarm at NHS failings over women's health. But once again, the photograph is of the royal family looking up in an awestruck wonder at the, uh, the red arrows fly past. Friday's Financial Times has 
OPEC lifts output to cool oil price rally, and Camden Market's landlord aims to bag 1.3 billion pound sale of London tourist hotspot once again, the royal family dominating pictorially. But there's a lot of interesting information there. Quite fancy having the Camden Market. It has dingles where they used to have junglers. Friday's mirror has, wow, what a racket, great granny. Quite sure what I mean. Oh, OK, it's the noise. I thought she, they were referring to the royalty as some sort of uh, borderline criminal activity. Uh, that's the mirror. And then Friday's Times has Johnson's allies brand Tory rebels, narcissists. Well, that's certainly going to lose the, the, uh, the core. I doubt many of them really understand that sort of principle. There's a lovely picture there of the Queen, a slightly more sedate image than the balcony shots we've seen earlier in one of those outfits that's part dress, part coat that only she can carry off, but she really does. <laughs> Friday's Express goes with incredible. That's it, just incredible. She's lived to 96, is that it? I don't know that we still have a country that there's that many flags still available. Anyway, a huge swelling of popular support for her on the mail. The Friday's Daily Star has, of course, not gone with the main three. I mean, they do. They have the fly pass. They have the Queen, the best of British. But they also have travel chaos nutcases. And uh, we may well be digging into the meaning of that later. Those were your headlines. Let's have a look inside the papers. So, gentlemen, despite the upbeat nature of the front photograph, we start off with the news of the Queen missing tomorrow, St Paul's service. It's all been a bit much for her. Who's got this? This is yes. unique. The I'll do this Express. one for you. Don't worry. I'm an expert on the royal shock as Queen pulls out of St Paul's Cathedral service after experiencing discomfort. So very unfortunate. She, um, yes, she said she, she greatly enjoyed her birthday parade and fly past yeah. in London, but she's been experiencing episodic mobility issues. Oh. And she is, of course, 96. EMIs. And, Yes, and we should also note that Prince Andrew is missing it after testing positive for convenient excuses. Itchy beard, yeah, yeah. to say. Yeah. Itchy beard. Definitely has COVID, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah, so that's the story. Not much more to it. I what, feel what sorry I love for about having to perform at that and like having to even make an excuse. Go on. Well, I was going to say, it's jolly nice, but only the Express would find it a shock yeah. that a 96-year-old woman <laughs> actually wasn't going to stand around for right. sort of 48 hours with Found it no a bit sleep. Tiring. My dad's 92. Everyone agrees he's marvellous for his age. They really yes. do, and he is. He's fantastic. I took him to the pub for lunch for his birthday about a couple of months ago, and that was him wiped out exactly. for the rest of the day. Do you know what I mean? It's... And the Express should know, because if yeah. the paper is circulation is dropping off as a result of, na- <laughs> as a result of natural causes, I mean, oh, of all the perhaps it should know, shouldn't it, really? Well, yeah, you do wonder who they asked, who was shocked. Yes. How many people did they uh, survey for But that it's one? always the... 96-year-old woman news, has nap. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. The news has to be the latest bad thing that's happened, doesn't it? You can look over a 70-year reign and say, yeah, but she's going to miss the service tomorrow morning. But also, too, I think the story, the, the, the Andrew and COVID, I mean, this is yes. terrific, isn't it, really? It's like, oh, my goodness me, what, what can we do? I thought he'd come down with, um, I thought he tested positive for sex with underage <laughs> No, it was you have to be very careful around that. It's, I mean, in this country, they wouldn't have been underage. I do feel a bit sorry for him. He's brought up in a country where 16 was the age of consent, of course. You're taking a, a rare pro-Prince yes. Andrew stat. See, I like Simon, I'll always give a different view. I don't yes. like the way he's referred to as a nonce. That has a particular meaning for me. Can I just say, I just, yeah, can I just say, what, what I, did, I didn't actually say that, Simon. No. Let's be very clear about no. this. The allegation was, and, he he then, and then he paid up. But the interesting thing with the Queen and Prince Andrew, I, I wonder whether they've put this story out there. I mean, we're all speculating. It may simply have COVID. I feel very sorry if it does. Well, reasonably sorry. But if he's, <laughs> he's not got any comorbidities, has he? But if he... Uh, don't go there again. But... 
the problem is with him and the Queen. She's very fond of him. She she, uh, yes. she took his arm and walked into the uh, you know the last big. What was it? I can't remember. Was it was it? Was it was it? the service at Westminster Abbey. That's right. Something. So she is very. Was it, she's was, very it, was it something to be Prince Philip? That's right. It was for Philip's memorial yeah. service. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. So anyway, listen. He's off the hook for all that. Uh, you know, he was found. He he, he 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 was not found guilty, and all of that stuff is is merely alleged and speculation. But I do wonder whether whether it might have been thought more diplomatic that the Queen believe him to be unavailable rather than... Do you see what I, I mean? Well, having you said know, that, yeah. though, how already, deep does it go? Yeah. They already banned him from the balcony quite explicitly. Because yes, it was family... Oh, close family... What was the rule? Yeah. No, they the, just said no and, I think. Yeah. There was a technicality. Sweaters Family only. who can sweat only. Yeah. <laughs> Very specific wording. But he felt victimised by that. Yes. But, you know, the COVID thing, it's still a cast-iron excuse, the COVID test, though, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's very hard to get out of. You, and I, I and for failing to have enough staff on an aeroplane and everything else. Anyway... Friday's Telegraph next. This is the work from home news cycle. Hasn't quite exhausted itself just yet. Simon, this is Well, this is is TUI, which is a travel company, as you will know, and uh, they have allowed, as part of their policy, to to allow certain members of staff, you'll notice there's a level of seniority involved in these Uh, members of staff, allowing members of its head office to work from holiday destinations in order to improve their work-life balance. Oh, is that what a workation is? Yes, this, okay. is, this is taking the Boris Johnson definition of yeah. work to its logical conclusion, it seems to yeah. me, is that what you do is you work around a pool with booze yeah. you know, and grey Wi-Fi. So that's yeah. obviously what's happening there. I mean, I don't know, I've never flown to. If you ever, they strike me as being one of those airlines that sort of... Breakfast in London, lunch in Spain, luggage in Turkey. Is I that, never is understand the how the air in or the travel industry generally works these days. Every year, some new firm seems to come along, which seems to be in charge of everything. And you just, yes. I used to get on a holiday, go on holiday, I used to get on a plane, get off the plane, go to the place I'd rented. Do you know what I mean? But everything seems to be packaged. I always love that Stephen brand. Wright joke, the American comic who says, I went on holiday to Jamaica, at least that's where they told me it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great idea, Good isn't point, it? Yeah. But what they do say in this story, which I don't think is entirely fair to make the headline just about TUI, is apparently British Airways does this as well. Yeah. And uh, they've laid off more than 10,000 jobs. And I was on the platform at Gatwick the other day, or yesterday, in fact, and... Um, and there were loads of flights cancelled, some of which were British Airways, because they don't have enough staff. Now, yeah. it seems to me that's like when I get these emails sometimes. They send me emails for Viagra, and then they send me emails for, emails for losing weight. And you think, what do you want me to be, bigger or smaller? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, uh, why doesn't British Airways honest, just make Vi- up its mind about how many staff it needs? Viagra doesn't act, you don't put on weight, it just redistributes Simon, the it was a It's like a Twitter it's like, person It's like a balloon animal. Did he really just do that? He did, yeah. I think it's because he just spent lunch with he his 92-year-old dad. He didn't even recognise it as a joke. He, got to, <laughs> he laughed, it as though. a joke, but you've got to understand it's the, the balloon animal principle. They just squeeze a little bit here and a little bit more pops out. Are you That's still trying? You wouldn't get in Simon's set. That's all he's what, saying. What I want to say is, is, is it a staycation? As, is that the same? Uh, workation is when you yeah. go on holiday, but you're still at work. You've got your portable bookshelf for the Zoom meeting. Is yeah, that how work it works? You work in a nicer location, basically. But look, I mean, work, firstly, I don't really go on holiday... Yeah. One, because of my... Oh, that just fell. That's the... Oh, that's face sad. Uh, was that the bunting? That was the bunting. It's just, just <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, The bunting yeah, fell down. Basically, due to my questionable back status, I gave up on the uh, yeah. idea of travel. Plus, they seem to want money when you, when you try and go on holiday. So, but a workation seems to me everything now. I mean, you're at home, you're getting messages constantly and Zoom calls about work. And then, and then you know, w- when you're at work, you're messing about. Isn't everything a kind of... Aren't we in a constant flu- flux state yeah, of yeah. working and not We working? are on a borderline psychotic state at the moment, aren't we? We yes. don't know where we are. From where are we? To the next... I mean, one with the thing, that, device, but one thing that employers go. should absolutely do, 
Absolutely, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt, they should say to their people, we absolutely do not expect you to respond to an email after six o'clock unless you're one of these people who's designated beyond duty. And we absolutely do not expect you to send any emails or have them responded to uh, before 8am in the so morning or whatever it is. To the, in other to words, staff, though? Well, you say to the staff, you, you can work whenever you like, it's up to you, but you absolutely, we do not have any expectation. Because otherwise, people are just madly pressured at the moment. It is bonkers. I'm yeah. surprised we're all going Can I throw in one spanner in the works that might alienate some of you, but on my side of the internet, uh, people like James Dellingpoll are saying that holidays are being deliberately ruined and that all these staff shortages actually just, they don't want us to travel and go on hold anymore. It's a great reset. reset. Friday's Daily Mail also has a work-from-home story, but this time it's from one of your personal heroes, Nick. One of my bros, uh, Mr Elon Musk. If you don't show up, we will assume you've resigned. Elon Musk doubles down on his new work-from-home ultimatum. So this was an email that leaked out. He said that everyone in Tesla is required to spend a minimum of 40 40 hours in the office. Mm. If you don't show up, we'll assume you've resigned. And he got a little bit bitchy. It was great. He also pointed out that that's why he was in the factory so much, leading by example. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't done that, would have gone bankrupt. My favourite bit. There are, of course, companies that don't require this, but when was the last time they shipped a great new product? It's been a while. And uh, whereas he's saying Tesla has the most exciting and meaningful products. That's an obvious diss at Twitter, yeah. who he said no one shows up. And also Apple, we covered a story recently where Tim Cook was saying you've got to come back into work for one day a week and then later three. Mm. And the employees rebelled and said this was an example of white supremacy, <laughs> which was extraordinary. Uh, they said it was going to be a younger, white, white male-dominated environment if that happened. Bizarre logic. Mm. But yeah, Musk is simply saying... You've got to show up. I'm paying you. We're doing great work. And there's also, I don't know whether this does entirely tie in, but there was a uh, long Twitter thread uh, a few weeks ago, which was, you know, huge share, went viral, uh, from a chap. It was kind of anonymous, but he works for a software company that in, in, uh, enables everyone to work from home if they want to or whatever. And he basically was blowing the whistle on the culture. He said, not only do we work from home, not only have we shipped no new products in, in years, but the culture of the whole place is entirely about coordinating your yes. work. You know, when are you in? Who are you talking to? It's just the the administration of connecting with people is taking every time. Loads of human resources type hmm. stuff, you know, and it's becoming... A, well, there are jobs that are, business. and jobs that are. I did a session with a bunch of staff the other day, and the whole deal was, well, we said we want to work from home. And I was hmm. like, well, no, but the point is you're at work, so what we have to work at is what you're trying to do, and whether working from home is an acceptable way of achieving that goal, or it's not an acceptable yeah. way of achieving that goal. And you don't find, you know, working from home is a pretty middle-class occupation. Yeah, you don't yeah. find that many people who work in a supermarket shelf-stacking in their own kitchen. Do you remember Bertrand yeah. Russell famously said, I should Don't paraphrase remember. it, but he said I something do. like, there are two kinds of people, or there are two kinds of jobs in the world. There's moving stuff around on the surface of the planet, and then there's telling other people to move stuff around. <laughs> right, and surface. guess which one is better paid? Well, now, of course, guess which one you can do from yeah. home as well. Yes, exactly. You know, no, it's an absolute... I mean, the point is, too, that this idea of work as a consumable, I think, is really peculiar these days. The idea that, you know, what I'm going to... You know, it, work, it was all about whether my well-being and my satisfaction, which is fine. And I work with people constantly about their diversity and all that sort of stuff. But actually, you're at work to achieve something. So I'm quite old-fashioned in that sense. I just think that's why we go to work, to make common goals, and then we find ways of doing it that are as satisfying as possible in order to achieve that, rather than starting from the kind of, oh, what I want, which seems to me to run through politics, work, the whole lot. Friday's Times now, and we are fortunate to have someone with us who is uniquely placed to speak about this one. So the floor is yours, Simon. Well, the, the headline is Bar Chiefs in Free Speech Dispute. And obviously, when I read that, I thought it was two publicans having a bash up on the mm. pavement. However, 
What this is about, you may well have followed this tribunal. There is a barrister called Alison Bailey who works for chambers called Garden Court Chambers. She is what they call a gender-critical person. She believes that people cannot change their biological sex. She has tweeted and been public in her opinions about this. Garden Court Chambers is a very radical chambers and had a very has a very close relationship with Stonewall. And Stonewall, the head of trans inclusion at Stonewall, wrote an email to Garden Court Chambers basically telling them that it would damage their relationship with Stonewall if they didn't do something about Alison Bailey. Alison Bailey then claims that the result of that was that she started to lose fees. So that's what the dispute is about. Can, I, this, can I just ask you, yes. when she was uh, brought into whatever the correct term is, when hired within the, the Garden Court Chambers, were they aware that she had views which were... Covered? I think it all predates that. Alison Bailey seems okay. to have been a barrister for a long while. I mean, she is a radical woman. She's mm. a black lesbian, etc., and, you know, but she disagrees on this one particular issue that okay. she thinks sex is immutable. But the point is that Stonewall, her argument is the allegations that Stonewall effectively threatened Garden Court Chambers to do something about her. And the result was she lost income. That's the allegation. That's what the case yeah. is trying to prove. But this particular story is that in the pursuit of these, when she put these tweets out, she sought some advice from the Bar Ethics Committee, right. the vice chair of which was a QC called Catherine McGarkey. No relationship to Mick as far as we know. She then gave evidence in this tribunal. Now, she gave evidence about a particular thing that Alison Bailey had tweeted about called the cotton ceiling. This is refers, as you might think, to knickers. This is an allegory, or an al sorry, uh, 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 well, not an analogy, analogy. an analogy to the, gen you know, the, the, the glass, glass ceiling. ceiling. And it is this idea that these workshops are run by this Canadian person who is called Morgan Page, a trans woman, about how trans women can strategize to have sexual relationships with lesbians. Alison Bailey alleges that this is effectively coercion. This woman... And when you're saying trans women, you're saying uh, who's still male-bodied? Yes. Yeah. And not, and whatever. Right. But Catherine McGarkey argued in the tribunal, no, 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 this was about bringing lesbians and trans women together... And it was the similar to what happened after the end of apartheid in Nelson Mandela, South Africa. So effectively, a trans woman trying to sleep with a lesbian when they're male-bodied is actually the same as Desmond Tutu setting up the Truth and Reconciliation And the cotton commission. ceiling, I mean, is, is, it, that's a reference to a gusset, essentially. The cotton ceiling is essentially, it's a ceiling through which you wish to pass. I mean, that's horrific. And that's the term they've it? chosen to use. It's more of a right? wall, surely. I, well, it well, depends on angle. Anyway, sorry, carry on. I just, I mean, I just, I mean, I do find that, that sort of analogy absolutely extraordinary. And I'm somebody who's been involved in lesbian and gay rights, you know, since I was 17. I'm 65. I'm 65, Simon. You are. 65. All this is kind of your fault, isn't it, Simon? Yeah. yeah. Start, you started all this. I did. I did. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Slippery slope. To be fair, what we did was we started off in a car, the brakes of which started to fail. And as we went down the hill it veered off And now it's on fire in a ditch. In a slip yes. road. Yeah. It's, it's Douglas Murray's analogy, isn't it? The train just about to pull into the station of equal rights and suddenly somebody decides to accelerate back out. <laughs> The one thing that did make me chuckle about this, though, is at the end of the story, it just says that the guidance from the bar standards boards to barristers... Mm is to avoid getting drawn into heated debates or arguments. You'd yeah. think that's what they did. Right. <laughs> you know, as a professional. You have a view yes. on this, Nick? I mean, no, other than... I mean, I just, Simon's given such a good summary. Other than it was absolutely crazy what, what the person said about uh, Nelson Mandela. 
And this idea, this whole idea, this whole idea that um, le- this thing, lesbians' refusal to have sex with trans women is based on prejudice and bigotry rather than same-sex attraction. That was the claim, which is just absurd. I mean, one, it, it, basically, I think beauty is pretty much objective, but also it, attraction is pretty much locked in, isn't it? It's not yeah. really voluntary. I think sexual orientation is locked. I remember a journalist saying to me when all this stuff starts out, well, what would you do, you know, if you, I mean, I'm married, does it happen? But what, you know, if I wasn't and I was out in the day, what would you do, you know, if you fancied a guy and you talked to him and you got home and it turned out, in fact... This was a trans man, and in fact, this person had a vagina rather than a penis. And I oh. said, well, I'd offer them tea. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, we'd go back, George, we could boy, boy George. But I suppose, just to be sort of po-faced about it, you're not under threat in that situation, are you? You can make a joke about it, but but a woman who goes back with a, what she thinks is another woman and he turns out to have a penis, there's, no that, di- there's yes. a bit of a different imbalance. There, there is a different imbalance, and I think that that is an issue, very a huge issue for women, is, mm. the, is the notion of male-bodiedness. And that was one of the peculiar things that the head of trans inclusion, um, who's this person called Corin Medcalf, at, this is the head of trans inclusion at Stonewall, said at one stage during their evidence, bodies are not inherently male or female, mm. they are just bodies. Yeah. And I think what that doesn't understand is, quite apart from biological sex, it doesn't understand why it is that women have some kind of fear mm. about the male presence. And the great Julie Bindel, who I love, who a feminist writer, uh, says this thing when men say, oh, well, not all men are rapists. And Julie says, yeah, but our problem is we don't know if it's you or not. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like this Morgan person is, 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 is essentially teaching you the skills that you'll need to avoid having to... To resort to that, virtually. That's what it feels. That's what it seems and looks like. The argument from the others is that it's not. It's merely an attempt to create a great fuzzy, warm, cuddly reconciliation. Well, the story continues. That's the end of part one. Coming up after the break, we've got why heavy drinking is good for you. Hooray! Oh, my goodness, that is a relief. Why traffic noise is destroying children's memory development. That doesn't surprise me at all. And why drinking is good for you. See you in (laughs) two... Join us for Ministry of Offence, the comedy panel show that's just like the news, in that the left fights the right and it doesn't really seem to matter who wins. We cover the big stories. It was in fact a troop of baboons and not angry vegans. I like that. And the really important stories. Fat naked cow gets stuck in swimming pool. It's a headline in a lot of local newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same team, Nick. Yeah, but I'm just helping you. Join us for Ministry of Offence, Saturday nights, 8 o'clock on GB News. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans, Simon Fanshaw, and Nick Dixon. Gentlemen, let's OBA. get into the second third. Friday's Guardian now, and Nick can barely contain his happiness at justice being served in this instance. <laughs> oh, Simon yeah. is a little more nuanced. Let's I was see. so happy about Johnny Depp, I almost cried, but that would have been setting uh, men back. Uh, so I never cry, especially northern men. So the, the Guardian's gone with Depp heard trial verdict condemned as a toxic catastrophe for women. Mm. So this hard-won justice that Johnny Depp has struggled for for so many years at such cost is being spun as a, some kind of, somehow women are still the victims. I don't really understand this. I saw a quote from uh, the Telegraph from someone outside the court 
who'd said it's disappointing for women going forward and how they'll have to bring even more evidence to court. Oh, no, they have to produce evidence that you can't just destroy a man's life on a whim anymore. And the idea is that their lawyer, Amber Heard's lawyer, is saying, oh, social media posts caused this. And the jury were... Now, there is an issue about juries. Should these trials be on TV? Are the jury influenced? But I think we can all say it's Amber Heard's performance. It was the evidence heard no pun intended, that, that, that created this decision, not social media, in yeah. my opinion. And we've seen all these people, Josie Long from the comedy industry, saying she posted today, tweeted F... Don't repeat that. Don't repeat F that. Johnny Depp. <laughs> and there was another word I can't repeat. It was, it was more than 60% profanity. It was, and Can mis- I just... I mean, I, we've, I think we've talked about the case quite a lot in different ways. One thing that I am particularly struck by is the problematic nature of the jury in cases exactly like this. I am generally speaking in favour of jury trials for criminal cases. They have made... You know, it's, it, you could argue it's it's a it's a complicated thing to justify in, in purely rational terms, but it has it does seem to work. But you do sometimes wonder whether in situations like this a jury is exactly the right thing because they cannot explain their verdict. They only they just say yes or no at the end of an extraordinarily complex and entangled. I, I believe thing. a jury trial is the right thing. I do I do realise there's a problem with publicity. There was a problem with the Derek Chauvin trial. There's been many yeah, trials yeah. where there was a Carl Rittenhouse trial. There's mm. many trials where yes, that could be an issue. I still think jury trials. I follow, I'll give you an example. The Carl Rittenhouse one. I follow closely and I think the correct verdict came in and that was problematic for a lot of people Mm. of a liberal disposition who couldn't understand how what they saw as a child essentially could walk around a a riot with a machine gun. But if you follow the case and you follow the facts, then the correct decision was come to. In this instance, it does kind of smack to me a little bit of the jury going, they're as bad as each other and um, and, and this is the well, verdict. That's, the that's what I would sense. say is that, I mean, I think that the reporting of it subsequently, this this final thing, is that I mean, he, he was, he was, you know, got three counts mm. of defamation. She got two. Mm. They awarded him much more damage and then they had to, they forgot to write the damages down. So it feels to me like it's actually a bit more of a balanced verdict than people are necessarily giving, uh, uh credit for. I didn't follow it at all. Mm. The only thing I would say is that I was really surprised that given the level of attention around it, actually the jury wasn't sequestered. And it seems mm. to me that maybe jury law and jury practice hasn't yet caught up with social media and mm. that actually there's got to be some way I think of because clearly well, your point is that they could equally be influenced by I mean, both sides so and actually I'm sure nobody they were watching would, the evidence and yeah. they didn't believe her and they believed him more right. I mean so that's that that was yeah. their decision and, and I'd like to go on nobody would defend him I'm sure is very fan of him but you remember Tommy Robinson who was uh, arrested outside of a court just for reporting on it for the potential he had of, of yeah well don't let's try and get Johnny Tommy no no Robinson, I mean I'm not defending him but the, you know if, if you have a situation where you kind of acknowledge the capacity of an individual reporting on a fairly mm. minor YouTube channel to 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 thwart or just undermine our yeah. yeah, yeah. But can I just say something? Yeah, I, I think ahead. we're slightly mm. getting distracted. The headline yes. here is that it's a toxic catastrophe for women. Yes, it's not actually about saying. that. No. And, and I think and I'm, what I'm annoyed about is that this has been spun in that way. I mean, for example, the Clear Path Coalition, which is kind of domestic abuse organisation, says victims have been made even more vulnerable today after this. Uh, I just don't see that at all. It's like, it, this is what the jury found. The whole, the people side with Depp. Mm. We, most people believe he was, he was defamed horribly. Yeah. His life was destroyed for years. It, I'm actually worried that it takes a man this much fame and money and this much time to actually get his name cleared. Well, what let, about ordinary members? Well, let's be careful about that. I think there are two things here. One is I don't think you can really extrapolate from this for all those reasons. This was massively high profile. They were throwing okay. money at each other. It was a huge publicity journal. I mean, the, 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 the truth of it is that 77% of homicide, homicides are, are women. Hmm. 
Okay, domestic violence homicides are women. 98% of the perpetrators are men. Women are more likely to be consistently injured, uh, they're more likely to be seriously injured, and they're more likely to face fear and, and coercion. I'm not saying that that Simon, doesn't mean... Sorry, we, we're, we're drifting a little, we have to get on. I'm sorry, I'm getting... All I'm saying is that doesn't mean to say... That's the big context, so this doesn't explain yeah. any more of that big context. That's all I'm saying. I think we should just... We've got to accept that you can't extrapolate generalities from individual cases, essentially, can't you? But the Friday's Times, great news for those who've cultivated serious drinking habits this extended bank holiday weekend. It seems that it's actually good for you, right? Heavy drinkers are healthier and happier in later Isn't years. That wonderful. What it says is those uh, uh, who uh, drink, uh, what it was, it was a survey in a hospital of people over uh, an average age of 72 were undergoing elective surgery. So part of the thing is that, you know, this is an observational survey, so it's not a massive data set. But what it discovered was that people who seem to have drunk more and be more social were generally more happy. The trouble is that no one can explain which is cause and effect, because people are likely to ha- go out, see more people, then likely to be happier and jollier and that tends to be associated with drinking the thing that i was quite uh, calmed by was the fact that um, uh, those who enjoyed a drink at least four nights a week and even those who had an equivalent of two bottles of wine in a single day that's quite impressive. and that's quite a lot because even i don't get that far but i would say as i said before i am 65 and i think you can see you know my body is a temple even though there's more and more room for the congregation <laughs> as the years go by nick what well, do you think just that i mean they claim they were happier but they probably they self-reported this because they were drunk and also <laughs> and also as simon i think hinted at there that, that, yes if you're generally healthy you can afford to destroy your body more with drink what we'd really need to see is a, a study where the people who were drinking and said they were healthier were then taken off alcohol to see if they could be even healthier yeah. that's the study i'd like to see of course i'm a non-drinker so i would say that the well, also there too- has been a lot of uh, research over the years which has always pointed in the same direction which is that actually uh, overall for health a few drinks is fine a that's few drinks true. on a daily basis but what medical research is almost always focused on is specific diseases, cancers and so on, which a certain amount of drinking is likely to increase the chances of. They ignore the much wider, you know, Mm. well, you just like, no, no, I mean, no, no, the liver again is is a downside for drinking. But the upside for drinking is that you're... you're, you're, Sociable and jolly. You're sociable, you're jolly, you're connected and and knitted into your community. But the stuff that I can't bear are the fun fascists. Let's have fun! You know, the sort of New Year's Nuremberg types, you know, I can't (laughs) bear them. You don't get that from me, I'll never suggest you have fun. That's very good. (laughs) Guardian once more. Northerner, is that your point? Guardian once more, and who better to discuss serious women's health issues than Nick Dixon? What have we we got in this (laughs) I'd rather talk about Johnny Depp again. Dismissal of women's (laughs) health problems as benign, leading to soaring NHS lists. So this is The Guardian. And the the claim here from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists is that uh, conditions like... endometriosis, prolapse and heavy bleeding, things like this are ignored because they're not actually, they're benign in the sense that they're not cancerous, but that means they're being downplayed and ignored. And the Guardian is saying this is institutionalised, or they're quoting someone, Edward Morris, saying this is institutionalised gender bias. Of course, that's where I question it. I say... Probably two half of the guardians say the NHS is a bit of a mess and it misses yeah. a lot of stuff. Much easier for them to say it's gender bias. I'm sure Simon's going to. Talk ha- well, only that only that endometriosis, prolapse, and heavy bleeding from menstrual problems actually happens to women. Yes, and but, what's but, happening is that the language that's being used. You've heard that thing. Oh, it's women's problems. You know that is a classic way of looking at things. And what you realise is they're downplaying it. And what they're saying here is, I mean, there's a wonderful thing in the middle of it where the guy who said Morris, a consultant gynaecologist, by the way, he's not just anybody. He's the president. Of the 
of the of the Obstinguini people. He said in his own hospital, they no longer use the term benign gynecology. Instead, they organise teams according to the type of surgery performed, such as endometriosis surgery, laparoscopy, and so on and so forth. The point is, if you highlight these things properly, then they stop being disadvantageous to women. My point wasn't that women aren't affected by these. These are obviously women's issues. My point was simply that surely on the NHS there are all sorts of things that are missed for men, and we don't ascribe gender bias to it. We just say, oh, it's a pity about your prostate. No, we absolutely do. Suicide, we we know that's the, one of the largest causes of death in young men. But that's, that's not absolutely. A, yeah, no, absolutely Nick is saying, on men. But what Nick is saying is that there will be uh, health issues that have been overlooked due to yes, of being there will be. GPs. But this is a health issue that's been overlooked in yeah. relation to women. It's not saying there aren't. Doesn't in any way say stop being such a victim. No, love. I just question. Such I just a question. Don't worry. I just You'll don't be included in all the health I, issues. I believe in our great NHS. I'm saying I don't believe there would be prejudice against women like that. I, it's not prejudice. You're misunderstanding what okay. it's being said. What it's saying is that the language that's applied to problems that women experience is less urgent than the language that's applied to lots of other things, okay. like cancer, for instance. And what they're doing is they're saying, if we raise the profile, then women things. won't suffer like this. Also, also, women present pain very, very differently from men. Women tend to contain and hold pain back. They display heart attacks in a very, very different way. And there's a genuine gender bias in that, in the sense that they do it differently and it's not always but given the also, urgency that it needs. Also, and men, when it comes to depression and suicide and things, yes, also don't display. But women also cause men great pain. Um, <laughs> We have just there is a one kind more of, story. There is a kind of nasty sexism, is, isn't there, in this so-called men's rights thing, which is, just... Uh, I just was just a joke. That was, a, that was my No, joke. it wasn't a joke. It comes from a deep place, Nick. You know that. You've obviously we, been upset we, by many, called, many, many, many women. Men pay is not a controversial we, statement. It's practically a romantic poem. Yes, well, you know, you've obviously had a very bad so life with women. On. I know it is. OK, Pride <laughs> Month is upon us, uh, and we are celebrating... Simon, this must be in your... Well, it is. You know, well, anyway, the independence. People notice eye-opening differences between corporate pride logos in the US versus the Middle East. And what they're saying is corporations put pride logos on their emails and all that stuff in the US, but they don't in the Middle East. No kidding. You know, what would they do in Iraq? What would the logo they pop on there? Would it be a noose? Would that be what it is? Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> Let's have a look at the logos. We've got some. We've got some? I, I mean, I've with pride, you know, there used to be a march, then there was a day, then there was a month. So I, I, can't be be clear, pr- Simon, I can't be proud to order, Simon. But do you find it annoying, offensive, ridiculous, or just uh, obviously shrug it off, it's, it's capitalism, what? that these oh, companies uh, 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 try and present themselves as being inclusive no, when it's no, helpful I, for them? Well, I think there's two sad things here. One is they think they're taking up float and pride and doing all that and somehow being nice to the gays. It's the kind of classic bit of, vis- of virtue signalling at the moment. You know, yeah. we used to be hard to deal with, now everybody wants to look good, so we're a very good political sort of litmus test. Yeah. And they always use us, everybody uses but the thing that is more complicated is what do you do when you're operating in a country where it is illegal and a third of the world lives in countries that, where homosexuality is illegal and in some cases right. punishable by death. So what do you do if you're a corporate organisation with gay employees or so expats who are gay who go there? BMW, for instance, when BMW put a rainbow around their logo in this country, what are they saying? Our cars are, can be driven by gays? Is that, is that, is that the assembly? Or are know, they saying we, we should, champion gay rights at all? They're saying we should all drive BMWs and the other side of the road, Simon, mm. is what they're saying. Well, I think I, it suggests saying, to me that what they're doing is they're trying to suggest that they are allies in some meaningful sense. I know, but you know what? It's got to the stage that I've been, as I said before, I've been at this a long time. I just get bored with people wearing lanyards and 
boat, rainbow flags and all that. I think that what you need to do is do something material to make sure that people aren't discriminated against, whether they're white, black, gay, whatever, Mm. that you need to have meaningful intervention on that instead of waving around coloured flags and lanyards. It just annoys me. We agree. I mean, the whole point of it is that the flags are used precisely where they're not needed and they're not used where they would be needed. So they're not used in these, these countries yeah. because it would be too controversial. Mm. They're used here because it's not controversial and it's pure mm. virtue signaling. Mm. And then you can point to the fact that corporations, you know, BMW had some dodgy alleged uh, associations in the past. They're, they're very insincere. IBM helped the Nazis and so on. It's mm. also funny or grimly ironic that um, John Boyega was edited in, in a, the Star Wars actor because he was black yeah. in a poster in China was made much smaller in the mm. poster. So they always, they always sort of, uh, what's the word, kowtow to, to, you know. Well, famously, the old, the, the, the famous one was the Ford advert in Spain where they took all the black people out of it. This right. was years ago. So don't mind people going on a journey. I think that's great. I mean, you know, if you supported Hitler, now you don't support Hitler. Hurrah. Good thing. That's progress. I suppose what I'm saying is that there are some fundamental issues here and I just wish people would deal with them and I can't be proud to order, as I say. I can't wake up on August the 5th and go, oh, I feel proud today. Coming up after the break, phantom bears, zombie catfish and why bald men in the UK are endangered. We will see you in two minutes. Thank you. And welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans. With me tonight, the great Simon Fanshawe, the equally great Nick Dixon. Slightly less accomplished, but this time, this time, Nick. My OBE is coming. Don't lose heart. With the adoption of electric vehicles, this particular story will be redundant in the near future. But for now, tell us all about this latest study, Simon. It's traffic noise slows children's memory development. A study in, it's a study in Spain. And what they discovered was that kids are in schools that are next door to roads where there's... Peaks of noise. In other words, yep. people pulling away from, from you know, traffic lights and that kind of stuff. Exactly. And, and I must admit, I agree. I cannot. Why do men need these cars that make this noise? We live on uh, the seafront in Brian, and I'll tell you, motorcycles and cars, you never see a woman driving a car that's got that sort of noise or a motorcycle that's got a uh, let's, let's not gender uh, this, for goodness all sake. All right. It just Can we gets, just leave that out for all once? All right. Why the, does uh, anybody need... Why does anybody need a car that great German that philosopher. The, uh, the thing I would say is... The thing I would say is that when electric cars come in, it would be great. They won't any longer... Should we go and get a pint, Nick? They won't, think? They won't I was going to say a woman couldn't handle those cars, but I was like, that would be a terrible joke to make to sign the ones I've already made. Well, you call it a joke. German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer, he thought it was a sign of an intelligent person that they were infuriated by noise, that, that the more yes. distracted and angered you were by noise... I'm the incredibly angered by noise. I'm not just saying that. It, it ruins my yeah. life in my flat. I agree. Uh, so I'm, uh, he's correct. Can I just say, yeah, I, noise is a huge problem and uh, it has slowed the children's development. The only thing that slows uh, children's development is going to a, a state school, which is not snobbery, it's bitter experience. But this is but, in Spain. Yeah, no, OK, sorry. Well... I grew up in the, in the country, so owl noise was more of a problem for me, so maybe I can't relate to There's this. There's a guy, I, re- I read a book a few years ago, Jonathan Haidt wrote about the happiness hypothesis, basically trying to, it was a, like a positive psychology book, and he said one thing that people really underestimate is the, uh, the uh, decline in quality of life if you live somewhere which is noisy. He said that it's much more important to have peace and quiet and tranquility around you than it is to have space. You would much rather have a smaller apartment somewhere quiet 
Yeah. And, he would, and he said once he bought a flat without realising, think about it, it was near a set of traffic lights yeah. and it absolutely drove him insane every time. He yeah. Well, it's one thing that absolutely drives us mental is the motorcycle yeah. round. Yeah, so the there's weekend. that theory yeah, about yeah. deep work, isn't it, as well? You need a certain amount of time to get into it and every distraction, yes. you're knocked back to the start. Having said that, electric cars are pretty awful. What they'll do is they'll get their concentration back and they'll be run over by electric cars that didn't <laughs> by hear. Noise-cancelling headphones in the meantime, possibly with, uh, with the Bluetooth access to the teacher. Times now and artificial skin. This uh, feels like a dystopian development. Does this mean we can literally grow thicker skin if we want, Simon, as well? What do you Engineers think? develop artificial skin capable of feeling pain. It's an extraordinary scientific discovery. They've discovered by putting electrodes or some such thing, electro, you know... Um, sensitive things in the skin yeah. that they will be able to feel and touch and which means the parent they'll be able to do certain things differently i mean two things one is that it'll be better for the person with the prosthesis hurrah yeah but doesn't it mean that you know those of us who might be living with somebody with the prosthesis then has to be feel this prosthesis over them so i mean won't that be a bit of getting back to another cotton ceiling type of i don't know uh, i would feel so whenever i read stories about sensitivity i'm afraid i always think about noel coward's comment after he went into hospital after he'd done these cabarets at las vegas and somebody wrote to him and said you know what why what's wrong with you and he wrote back and said it turns out that my colon like so many of my friends is oversensitive <laughs> I think that pain is uh, is like a, a much un- misunderstood element of life. That you want a bit of pain in your life in order to keep things fresh, in order to keep things perked up. Homeostasis is the great enemy. Just just like calm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like the way that you know the central heating has made us all a little bit lethargic. Yeah, you're sort of saying going with the Jordan Peterson life is suffering. I mean, that, mm. that's what worries me about this. Most of my scientific research comes from Terminator Two, and I'm always worried. What will, what will be the thing that makes the robots take over? For all we know, it could be the ability to feel pain yeah. in their skin. We don't know what the tipping point's going to be. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps that will be the thing that makes them more human. Well, the classic thing they say about robots is they have to be trained, not, you know, always to privilege human needs over their own and so on, isn't it? But if they start feeling pain, that's going to be... That's, you know, and they'll that's know how to inflict it on us. That's the danger. Yeah. I always feel ambivalent about these things because I'm so in awe of the science. Mm. And at the same time, I'm a bit nervous about the outcome. Oh, scientists. <laughs> they never stop to well, ask whether think, they... But if you read should. this, it's extraordinary what they've done. I mean, you know. Yeah, Friday's sun now, and this is a slightly more distressing uh, medical issue, uh, a fragile X syndrome, something you will never suffer with, Nick. But no, of course this, not. Uh, this, this poor woman's child has. Simon, I had two kids with sperm donor... It's not me, that's the headline, who never told me about his fragile X syndrome. Now I'm scared they've inherited it. So James McDougall, 37, has fathered 15 children, that's just one less than Leo Kurz, uh, to, <laughs> to gay women without telling them he suffers from fragile X, which is not a 90s pop band. It's a quite serious condition that it, it makes you, uh, it, it gives you developmental difficulties, low IQ, uh, issues with uh, learning, social issues, attention, language, one in three people that are autistic. So this person has basically been knocking out babies everywhere via the, the sperm process, uh, donation process. And the part that's slightly sinister is the mum says uh, that she didn't, doesn't think he'll ever stop trying to donate sperm, which is a bit sinister. It sort of sounds like he's breaking into the clinic at night. And well, no, but it, no, what it sounds like, I don't know. I, I was trying to understand it. And, and tell me if you've managed to get to the detail. It, she said it's like he paid her paid him £10 travel expenses or something. It sounds mm. like it was a bit of a backstreet deal. Yeah, oh, it is. I think it's that's not much, done through it? a clinic. Well, £10 I mean, travel, is that you all you want? If no, you go to a private... proper fertility clinic, they're quite expensive. I think, yeah. she's, I think she's 
avoided that, just found some bloke who puts a small ad in the papers or something. I think his friends, I, mean, I don't know, assume it was a network, but it's right. definitely a private arrangement. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely not regulated, because yeah. in which case he wouldn't be able to do it. And I think our point is that because yeah. it's not regulated, he'll go on doing it. I think it's, I mean, it's scandalous. The judge named him, by the way, right. in an attempt to stop him. Right. Because what happened was he went to court um, in order to, uh, why did he go to court? He went to court in order to do something, and this came up as part oh, okay. of the deal. And the judge yeah. said, actually, I'm going to name you because I need to try and stop it. Well, hopefully his face will get known as well. And, um, I mean, fragile X, it sounds... I'm not it doesn't sound serious, but it is serious. I'm not really? entirely sure, Simon, mean, he's known by his face. No, well, <laughs> I don't know how, how they conduct these things. Friday's <laughs> times, ancient universities were very similar to 1950s American high schools, apparently. I love this one. This mm. is a... They've discovered these... It's, it's graduates in first-century Athens had yearbook. Hmm. And what it is is it's it's a it's a, it's a marble. It's a marble slab that they now they thought it was something else. Now they think hmm. that what it is is a list of thirty-one friends who completed the Athenian. I don't know if you pronounce this ephabate, which is a year of military and civic training that was undertaken by under eighteen-year-olds, and it listed a group of young men who called themselves co-ephebes or co-cadets and friends. This would be sometime forty-one to fifty-four AD, possibly. Do we? Have we got a picture of that? I just wonder there what it, it is. It oh, because I was wondering what it actually looked like, because I assumed it would say sort of eye, mortarboard, scroll, you yeah. know, mud assembly thing, heart, Alexander. Looks like a classic yearbook to me. My, yeah. my only question is, if it's like a yearbook, did, did they have the same jokes, like most likely to become a statue, yeah. or <laughs> most likely to invent a mathematical formula, or you could go most likely to have an inappropriate relationship with a, with a young male student. We must go there. <laughs> no, remotely no, inappropriate w- in ancient The only years. thing about this is that this, this apparently occurred when they'd started, the Greeks started to be under Roman domination. Ah. So it's a bit, but you're right. No, good, good point. Yeah. That, that would be a, a, a statue of defeated leader. <laughs> Friday's mirror now. Turkey have oh. gone for a full-on rebrand. Actually, it's not that full-on, is it? Yeah, Turkey rebrands officially changed its name due to negative meaning. Turkey will now be officially known as well. I think it's Turkey, Turkey, Turkey. I, I Turkey. So. I looked it up. Oh, there yeah, was, so a, there did was I, a Turkish word in the meantime. It's Turkey. Yeah, Turkey. Apparently, so we're all going to have to be saying Turkey because they're worried about the links to a stupid or silly person. And that's presumably the, the the animal as well. So it, this is the, this is country's rebranding. Obviously, in the wake of or light of Kiev becoming Kiev, they're going to keep mm. trying to do this. We're going to see. I was shocked that in 2020, the Netherlands decided to drop it drop its well known Holland name in its in rebranding move. Not a very successful one because I didn't even know they'd done that. But, but is, is, are they saying that the word Turkey means an idiot in Turkish well, to, to Turkish people, or do they think that it means that to us? Because it doesn't mean that to me. I've never heard the word. It Turkey doesn't mean it to me. I think it's. I think they're worried about the. Global global scene, aren't they? Because the yeah. UN has said they're going to change it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, a, as you know, a, a, a reactionary, so I'm not going to say it. Mm. I'm still saying Peking and Bobby. I still call Zimbabwe Rhodesia, and that is my stance on the this. Fun, I don't know about Peking, but I did go to Mumbai a couple of years ago, and they all still call it Bombay. All yeah. the Indian people there, well, I say all of them, most, the vast majority still prefer to call it Bombay. It's but not just for us, it's for Western people to worry but about. But here it'll be yeah, Turkey's voting for Christmas. Turkey's, yes. Turkey's stuffing and stuff Maybe like, hoping to him, like it will scan better for uh, Eurovision because they had a poor showing this year, I think. (laughs) Guardian once again now, and this is on ADHD, the the opposite condition, I believe, that you have, Nick, which is intense focus. It's about about TikTok, and and basically someone put out this, I don't know if we have it, but it's a kind of flowchart, amusing flowchart about 
what you do with ADHD versus how you tell us how you tell a story if you're a pers- normal person. Well. Yeah. Oh no, that they put that up. That's not it. Do you know who that what well, that is? I'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah, okay. Well, on. anyway, it was an amusing drawing and it went viral and 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 people are saying, well, the uh, ADHD incidence has gone up 123 percent since 2016 in the US, and now it says there's this the widening arena of ADHD influencers. So this whole thing is it's about TikTok influencers. My question is, is TikTok just spreading ADHD influences and, the, and their reach, or is it causing yeah. ADHD because of the ridiculously short, short nature of it? Yeah. Well, there's, I think there's two things. One is that, 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 that what it says later in the story is that there isn't a clear-cut definition of what ADHD means. That's one thing. So it's this huge spectrum of things. So it's like people say, oh, I'm on the autism spectrum, and actually it mm. turns out they're like a tidy room. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, a sort yeah, of, yeah. there's this kind of, so, and I think what it feeds into slightly is this absolute mania at the moment, this notion that in identity, what you do is you, you have to more and more nichely, if that's a word, mm. define your identity. So you've got to be kind of, you know, pansexual, autistic, you know, there's a whole series of slash, 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 so you're slash. You're sounding things. more sort of reactionary like me on no, this. I'm I thought sounding... you might be pro, because I, I'm someone... very pro identity politics if identity actually describes something that's meaningful in terms of your experience in the world. There, there is a big difference. Someone once said to me, you're not, you're not autistic, you're just a bloke. And there is something in that, that obviously there's there is autism and then there's just being... A... But I the think that's, the, that's the problem for me, is it, it downgrades people who are genuinely... Have... And the other thing about it, it is so that what's happening then is the, the medication... With ADHD that's happening definitely in the United States, and I think in this country as well, is that people are seeking an adult ADHD diagnosis because it gives them access to what amounts to medically prescribed speed. Well, right. this and thing... don't they also give Ritalin to children who, let's face yeah. it, are just bored because school's a bit boring. Yeah. But Adderall and Vyvanse, if that's how you pronounce it, what it's saying there, of course, is there is... There, it, I mean, one thing they're saying is that it would improve anybody's productivity, number one. And the second thing is, you know, they're very... It's a very contentious medical thing. So you suddenly think, well, hello, the drugs industry's making a bob or two. Certainly true. This next one might be our last one from the mirror. This illustrates that nature is just about absolutely mental, Simon. What do we got here? Is this zombie catfish? Zombie catfish, if you wouldn't mind. I zombie think we might have a clip. Do we have a clip? Well, also, too, it's, it, this, is, this is a silly season story because it turns out zombie catfish comes back from the dead with just a splash of water. It turns out that there's a kind of catfish mm. that kind of hibernates and can live up to 30 hours outside water. Wow. And so if you throw water on it, it appears to come back to life again. Here it is. Look at it. Obviously dead. Bits of it coming off. It's falling apart. Splash of water. Splash of water, Wakes and it, it appears to be a bit whatever. I mean, but the thing is, on me to be fair. But you know what? You know, catfish is a is a. I mean, what catfish is is it's the luring of somebody into a relationship yes. using a false ID on a false personality online. You can imagine what this this fish is called: the sucker mouth catfish. <laughs> yes. I go no further. I yeah. leave it with you. It pretended to be dead and it's alive. That's the ultimate catfish. Really, there is, isn't it? There's another yes, clip. The on. most amazing one, though, I have to say, the most amazing one is more amazing than the than the sucker mouth catfish. Later in the story is the incredible African lungfish. That can live out of water for up to four years. Yeah. I don't. They think used it, to be on. Uh, sorry, I don't think that's a fish. <laughs> I suppose well, you can fall folks, for catfishing, you're a sucker man. Anyway. That is all we have time for. Uh, do beware if you search for zombie catfish on Twitter. That's from my own experience. Um, <laughs> thank you to my guests, Simon Fanshaw and Nick Dixon. Uh, that's all for me this week, but Headliners is always on at this time of night, so we'll see you again tomorrow or whenever. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers. Take care. Good night.
Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 